Good morning, Refuge. God bless you guys. Awesome to see you guys here this morning. Awesome to be able to worship with you. You know, when we think of any particular device and what it's used for, it's best used for what it's designed for. Is that right? We, we were designed and we were made to worship. When we come here and we're maybe not 100% sometimes, we come to the Lord and we sing praises to him. That is what we were designed to do. We were made to worship him. So this morning, no matter what you've got, sing praises to the Lord because this is what you were made to do. Amen? Let's do it.
How are we? Doing good? All right. Well, it's great to see everybody here this morning. Hey, if you're visiting us for the first time, we want to just give you a warm welcome. We have some announcements that we want to share for you. And so with that, men, we have a, a couple of opportunities coming up uh, for you that we want to share. First up is our Southern California Men's Conference that is coming up just around the corner. Saturday, September 23rd, it's going to be held at the Anaheim Convention Center. And the theme of the conference is pressing on towards the goal uh, for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. And that is taken from Philippians 3.14. Guys, there's gonna be some, some awesome encouragement at this conference. We have, uh, there's gonna be speakers, Ken Graves, uh, Skip Heidsig, Don McClure, just to name a few. So men, let's rally the troops. Let's stand together and declare our faith so that we can be encouraged and we can strengthen our walks uh, with Jesus. The event is free. Um, they ask that you register ahead of time. There's a website, it's not on the announcement behind me, but information is at the, uh, the back table today, or if you'd like, come and see me. I have a, 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 a sign-up list uh, that we can uh, hopefully have an opportunity to carpool. Uh, it's always great to get out there with, with a big group of guys and just have that time of fellowship so come see me afterwards looking forward to what god is going to do at that conference um, we also have men coming up our uh, legacy men's bible fellowship fall session kickoff we're going to jump right back into the book of john that is coming up on monday september 11th and guys this is going to be a special evening we're going to have uh, pastor frank sanchez uh, joining us once again. He's always just a blessing to have. We're going to just come together, have an opportunity just for some fellowship and some food, and we'll get our lessons so that we could jump back in uh, to those studies. And so, guys, if any of you are interested in signing up, we are uh, making this Bible study available for you. So go to the back table. Um, if you want to sign up for the fall session, the cost is $10. Uh, we also have next week coming up, we have a missions fundraiser lunch, and that'll be next Sunday on September 10th, and that'll be immediately following the service. Um, our missions ministry here, we're going to be hosting a barbecue, and so look forward to that. Hey, God is doing a work in the, just in, in, in the missions ministry here at Refuge. There's opportunities that are uh, before us. As you know, we've 
been going down to Casa Esperanza, down in Ensenada, Mexico, and there's more opportunities. And so uh, just come together and support this ministry. The lunch is free. Um, if you want to make a donation as the Lord leads, all proceeds will go towards uh, the, the, the work of the missions. And so we hope that, uh, that you participate. And then also, last but not least, we have coming up on this Friday the 8th, at 6.30 p.m. here at the church, we have uh, a Marriage United in Christ night. Um, this is a married couples event. Um, Mike and Terry Rodriguez from Calvary Chapel Corona will be sharing with us. The cost is $20. And, uh, you know, today is the last day to get signed up. So get signed up. Don't wait. Men, women, uh, couples, get signed up at the table. You don't want to miss this event. You're going to be encouraged. Uh, in your walk and in your marriage as well. And so with that, let's rise back up and let's worship the Lord. God bless you.
faithless lord god and um lord oftentimes we we can be lazy oftentimes we can be selfish lord forgive us lord as uh, our flesh is weak lord but our spirit is willing father and and this morning lord i pray lord that uh, your spirit would would overcome the flesh this morning that is in our heart and that is in our life lord that we would be here to be completely just sold out for you lord god that we would serve you with our whole hearts, Lord, and that our, our true desire would be to please you, and that our true desire would be to worship you, Lord, and uh, to, uh, Lord, just the church as a body to, to work to, to fulfill your will, Lord God. And this morning, Lord, we, we continue to worship you, Lord, in song, but Lord, also as we give the offering to you this morning, Lord, don't, don't allow in our hearts for us to have any, any bitterness, don't allow us in our hearts to have any complacency. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Allow us to give to you because we love you, Lord, and because you are worthy of it, and we recognize that you are worthy of it, Lord God. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Allow these last songs of worship, Lord, to flow from our lips, Lord, but also to be a true declaration of what is inside, Father. Allow us not, Lord, to lie to you in our worship as we sing to you, Lord. We thank you for all you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
just like you always have I'm fighting a battle you've already won no matter what comes my way I will overcome don't know what you'll do There's mercy in the waiting, manna for today, and when it's gone, I know you're not, you are my hope and stay, and when the sea is raging, your spirit is my help. He'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. You know that it is well. Oh, I know that it is well. I'm fighting a battle. You already won. No matter what comes. No! 
bless the Lord, my soul. He has washed me white. He has made me whole. Oh, Jesus, I will praise your name. Surely as the sun will rise, I will sing to you. And I will bless your name. Surely as the sun goes down, I will praise my God. Because you are always good and always you are always. And to the King of sing a new song bless the name we sing we sing
Uh, good morning, Refuge. Good morning. What a, what a wonderful day to praise our Lord and Savior. Am I right? Uh, so this morning, I have the blessing for sharing uh, the communion devotion. We will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 through not, 23 through 29. So if you want to go ahead and turn there now. Uh, here, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about how and why we are to conduct the Lord's Supper or communion. Uh, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just come before you, Lord, and want to thank you for this day, Lord. Just another day that you've given us, Lord, that we can praise your name and we can glorify you, Lord. I just want to thank you for your grace, for your mercy and kindness, Lord, for your love, and especially, Lord, for your long-suffering, Lord. Lord, I pray that you use me today for this message, Lord, that you're, it won't be me, but it will be you and your words through me, Lord. And I'm simply just a speaker being used by you. I just want to lift these things up to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So first I'd like to define what communion is. Communion, or the Greek word koinonia, means to fellowship. And this is a time of sharing intimate fellowship with our God. For the believer, communion is a powerful reminder of the sacrificial love Jesus Christ demonstrated, displayed through his death on the cross. He endured scourging, being nailed through both his hands and feet to the cross, and mocking from the people around him. So today we remember the ultimate price that was paid for our redemption. So if we look at 1 Corinthians verses 20, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if we look at verse 23... Here Paul describes to the church that these instructions that he's giving them aren't man-made, that they were received from the Lord himself. This was re received to Paul through a revelation. And if we look down in verse 24, here Jesus tells his disciples that the bread represents his body. This was a body that was beaten, mocked, battered, bruised, and pierced for the iniquities of the world. If we turn to Isaiah 53, 5, and look there, We'll see that it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. And now if we turn to Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31, it says, then, Jesus, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put, him, put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him to, led him to be crucified, or led, him, led to crucify him. 
After being mocked by the soldiers, Jesus carried his cross and was led to the place where he was to be crucified. We should always remember the way in which our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, willingly gave his life so that we could have eternal life in him. In Romans 5.21, it says, So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Back in 1 Corinthians, verse 25, Jesus lifts the cup and establishes the new covenant in his blood. He was telling his disciples that a new relationship between God and humanity was being established, and it would be built on grace and not the law. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, and through the shedding of Jesus' blood, we can have forgiveness of sin. In Romans 5.8, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knowingly and willingly gave his life for us that even though we were still in sin, he died for us so that we too can have eternal life. Back in Corinthians in verse 26, Paul tells the church that as long as we come together and eat the bread and drink the cup, we, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We not only do commune out of remembrance for the sacrifice on the cross, but we also look forward to, the, to Christ's promised return. So if we turn to John 14, 1 through 3, Here we see, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus told us that he would return for his church, and we have hope of his return, proclaiming this with our participation in communion. At Refuge... We, uh, the way we do communion is you will come up to the front and take the cracker and dip it in the juice and take it back to your seat. And then you'll have that one-on-one -on -one fellowship with God and get right with him. For those with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, before partaking in the elements before us, the bread and the juice, we must take an inward look at ourselves and reflect. We must have our fellowship with God and seek his forgiveness for the sins we have committed and give thanks for Christ's sacrifice. Now, for those that do not have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we ask that you do not partake in communion as to not bring judgment on yourself. As it says in 1 Corinthians 27 through 29, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. But a better option is that I want you to know that you too can have this relationship with God and partake in communion. Time is short and tomorrow is not promised. The problems of this world are of no importance. You can make time right now where you're sitting to come before God and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can confess and repent your sins and follow Christ. As I'll end with two verses. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. We want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, who hung on the cross for our sins, Lord, died for our iniquities, Lord, 
so that we could have eternal life, not through anything that we do, but from the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. Lord, I want to pray for any of those that aren't following Christ at this moment, Lord, to come before you on their knees, cry out for you, Lord, and accept you into their heart to seek forgiveness, Lord. That way they too can partake in communion with us, Lord. I just want to lift this up in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
This morning, Lord, that we get to worship you, we get to partake in communion and recognizing what it is that you've done for us, Lord. And Lord, we once again thank you for everything that you have done, Lord. Lord, the seen and the unseen, Lord, everything from dying on the cross for us, Lord, that we may have eternity with you and fellowship with you, to giving us the very breath in our lungs and strength in our legs to get up and walk here this morning, Father. And Lord, we just praise you. We give you all the honor, all of the glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's, uh, let's stand up and welcome each other. Say, I love you to your neighbor. I have in my hand the long-awaited, highly anticipated, deeply desired invitation cards. So they have arrived. Yeah. And so uh, they're very simple. They have a QR code on them. And uh, so you can pick them up at the information table. Uh, just grab grab a few, and whoever it is that you can use to invite them, get, put these in their hands. They can the QR code will lead them to our website. So um, so get these in people's hands. This is a great way to invite people, kind of break the ice, um, get in a conversation with someone else. Uh, and so I I would encourage you to pick some of these up. We have uh, plenty of them. If we run out, we can always print more. So make sure you pick them up. They're small, so they can easily fit in your pocket or in your purse, and uh, you can carry them in your car and just take them wherever you're going in anticipation of that moment when the Lord will give you opportunity to invite someone. So um, you have that. I also wanted to share something with you. I, I'm in fellowship with um, a handful of pastors, more, more pastors, but specifically um, I have a, a group of pastors, senior pastors, that um, I've just been growing in friendship with. So 
one of those pastor friends. His name's Daniel Vasquez, wonderful church uh, in Fontana, Calvary Chapel, Fontana, Daniel Vasquez. So this is what he sends me this morning. Uh, Psalm 46, 1 and 2. And uh, he sa it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the, the heart of the sea. And he says this, may we be encouraged, may you be encouraged by these words. Remember that God is your refuge and strength. No matter the challenges or difficulties you may face, know that he is always with you, providing you comfort and guidance. Lean on him, for he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. As we lead our congregations, may we inspire them with this assurance that even when circumstances seem uncertain or overwhelming, we need not fear. Our faith in God will steady our hearts and anchor our souls. May your message bring hope, peace, and encouragement to all who hear it. Trust in the Lord, and he will bless your ministry abundantly. Pray and you have blessed service. I share that with you. I know it was for me, but I share this with you because it's, it's for you as well. He sent me that uh, to encourage me personally, but I thought, you know how perfect this would be to share with you guys as well. Uh, Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so let us be those people whose minds are stayed on him and he'll keep us in perfect peace. He is our refuge, our very present help in time of trouble. Um, he is accessible at any, in all times. And so I would encourage you to always look to him. This morning, we, uh, we're going to continue our study through the gospel of Luke. So please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. The text this morning is actually something that is very familiar to many people, uh, whether you have an in-depth understanding and knowledge of the Word of God or not. This subject and what it contains is very familiar to many people. Uh, the title of this morning's message is To Love, Judge, and Build. To Love, Judge, and Build. Again, we're covering Luke chapter 6, verse, beginning in verse 27, and we're going to go all the way through to the end, and we're going to cover those subjects, to love, to judge, and to build, and what it looks like. This morning, we'll learn what it means to love your enemies, how to judge rightly, and how to build a life that will not crumble in the storms of life. It's interesting, because I was thinking, uh, you know, do these things, you know, do they go together? It's seemingly not, you know, to, to love your enemies, uh, to learn how to judge, and also what it means to build your house on the solid foundation of God's word. And yet, this is exactly how it is organized, how it has been inspired to be written by the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke. As you consider the whole counsel of God's word and not compartmentalize it to fit your own personal agenda. 
you begin to understand how you can love your enemies and at the same time judge the fruit of another rightly. They're, you see, they're held in tension. One is not put away for the sake of the other. They're both before us. The reason learning this truth is important is because it will lead to a life that is solidly built on the solid foundation of God's word and not the shifting sand of the philosophies of the world or even our opinions. Today, may you surrender your will to God's and build your life on the solid rock of God's word that you may be secure in him and lead a life that is glorifying to our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, A.W. Tozer said this, quote, Faith, as Paul saw it, was a living, flaming thing leading to surrender and obedience to the commandment of Christ, close quote. So let's read Luke chapter 6 in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this lesson that we have before us. I, I pray, Father, that you would give us not a surface understanding, or even now, perhaps to pass judgment on what we have just read as if we already have a good grasp on that and we have arrived to the perfect understanding of it. Lord, may we completely surrender to you right now. Simply receiving from you and learning this morning humbly and Lord with, with a great desire to hear something, Lord, hear, Lord, what we need to hear. Not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. That you may continue to do that work of molding and shaping us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. May we not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind this morning, according to your word and by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so we begin our study in the, as we continue our, our study in, in the Gospel of Luke, this chapter, chapter six, with the subject of loving our enemies. 
Again, verse 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. On the surface, if you go through this list, these are pretty simple commands, aren't they? They're simple. They're straightforward. They're, they're clear. These are instructions on how to love your enemy. These, by the way, if you're thinking that at this very moment, these commands are easy to demand of others and yet difficult to carry out personally. Because the moment you find yourself demanding this of others, you may realize that you're actually applying this to yourself. The moment you demand grace and yet aren't gracious is the moment that this is actually something that you need to take heed to. The love that is being described here has nothing to do with feelings. In fact, it is, an, it is acting in spite of your feelings as you acknowledge that you have them and yet refuse to be led by them. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Feelings are inclinations and they're momentary. They should never be trusted. It's in that moment that we ought to lean back, trust in, cling to, reach for the very word of God that we may be able to respond in a way that is genuinely honoring to the Lord. Because we may be called in that moment to act in spite of our feelings. If you're honest, you will agree that your feelings about someone who hates you or curses you or abuses you, well, they're not quite feelings that are warm and fuzzy, are they? Nor, and maybe even less, would you feel like doing anything for them? You guys have that inclination? You have that feeling about them? <laughs> you have anything but that, right? But we need to define what, what an enemy is. I mean, who is Jesus speaking about here? Sometimes we formulate in our own minds thoughts of the enemy, and it's not accurate. What is an enemy? Well, it's, an, it's a person who actively opposes or is hostile toward you. A thing that harms, weakens, or undermines something else or attempts to. That's their work. That's what they're trying to do. I was thinking, well, 
Is this in reference perhaps to the enemy of a believer? As we know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's in opposition to God. We could be a temporary enemy of each other. Because a, an enemy of the believer is one who aligns himself with the world and act, actively opposes the believer. Jesus knows that we will have enemies. In fact, he warned us time and time again. But we must trust that God will protect us and entrust those enemies to him. We have to do this conscientiously, acknowledging that he desires that they ultimately surrender to him. So what do we do with our enemies? He gives us a list. First on the list, do good to those who hate you. Again, separate your feelings from your actions. And the specifics of those actions are actually determined by the individual situation that you find yourself in. You can go through the word of God and, and ask for God's wisdom. As it says in James 1.5, that if you lack wisdom to go to God and ask him. And he'll give to you without reproach, without withholding anything from you exactly what you need for that moment. So do good to those who hate you. Overcome evil with good. Secondly, bless those who curse you. You ever have someone speak evil of you? What is your intention? What is, what is your inclination? You want to, in turn... Say a bunch of good things about them, right? No, you don't. What you want to do is you want to curse them. But Jesus is telling us, bless those who curse you. In other words, speak well of those who speak evil of you. To the one who has a sharp tongue toward you, well, you've heard it said. If you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all, right? Don't say anything or say something that actually speaks well of the other person. Here's the other thing. As we read a couple times already, suffer willingly at the hand of another. It's like, Pastor, this is just not... This is not something I want to do. I don't want to go down this, this path here. Suffer willingly at the hand of another. Yet yeah, those who strike you, those who beg from you, and those who even take away from you, demand nothing back. Give to the one who begs of you. And the one who strikes you on the one cheek, give him your other side. Easy to say. Hard to actually do. And yet, this is what our God and Savior is commanding us to do. Now, the whole striking bit, what does that mean? Does 
Does that mean physical abuse? Jesus is allowing physical abuse? No, that's not what that's speaking of. It's speaking of insults. Again, if they insult you, don't insult back. Don't lower yourself to their level. As it's been said, take the high road. Take the high road. Because always remember that God is your defense. At the same time, again, wisdom is taking the whole counsel of God, is it not? Because we need to take into consideration the very fact that Jesus overturned tables. He rebuked those who needed to be rebuked, the Pharisees. And has called us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and to be careful with the wolves in sheep's clothing. Is that not taught as well? So this is not saying be a doormat, allow someone to walk all over you, but be discerning in the moment. Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he said, be as cunning as a serpent, but be as harmless as doves. So think about, in the moment, be wise. Remember that Jesus rebuked Peter, but he also reconciled Peter. He restored Peter. He had strong words for James and John, sons of thunder, but he also brought him along. God would all, will always provide whatever you need. And nothing that is taken away on this earth is worth anything in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing. Think about it. This is what Jesus was saying. Consider what you have here on earth and compare it with what God has for us in heaven. You get insulted? All right, hey, li listen. What matters most is that you are a child of God. You have been forgiven. And what matters is how it is that he sees you. As one person who is reconciled unto the Father in Christ. Your treasure is in heaven. It is not on earth. Not only can God replenish, but he's also the ultimate judge. And always remember that vengeance belongs to him. So if you're bent on vengeance, leave it to him. Just give it to him. G. Campbell Morgan said this, quote, The old said, Insist on your own right, and loving your neighbor, hate your enemy. And so secure your safety. The new says, suffer wrong and lavish your love on all. Close quote. As we continue, in the middle of this, we have the golden rule in verse 31, which says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This very verse is uh, the verse that reveals the heart. 
For if we are not doing that which we demand of others, then our own hearts betray us. It's our hearts that reveal the hypocrisy that we are demanding of others to keep, and yet we ourselves are not keeping. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is, what, this is why I told you, be careful as you go into this section. Be careful because we can get to a point to where we become self-centered and self-righteous and we're demanding of others. And in the moment we are saying, accusing someone else of something else, we ourselves are breaking the very thing that we are told we are not to break, but to honor, to love our enemies and to do good those to those who hate us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then in verses 32 through 36, Jesus reminds his disciples where their reward is. Verse 32 says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Again, as he has said, it's easy to love those who love you, do good to those who do good to you, and to give to those who will give something in return. It's easy. But Jesus is not teaching his disciples how to have a great life here on earth, how to make the most of, of this life right now and, and really accumulate. And, and he's not doing that. What he's doing is he's teaching them how to be citizens of heaven, how to follow through and reflect the very character of God. The question for us that we ought to ask ourselves is whether we're looking for a reward from the world or from God. The difference between sinners and saints is that the former seeks to be affirmed by the world and the latter seeks to be affirmed by God. In fact, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. With that heart, with that perspective, with that desire, love your enemies. Do good. Expect nothing in return. And in so doing, your reward will be great and you will show that you are sons and daughters of the Most High. What he's asking, what the Lord is asking you to do is not something that he is not, not already doing. In fact, it says in verse 30, uh, 35, He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And in verse 36, it says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. It is in his very 
character. Remember, it rains on the just and the unjust. It is common grace that he gives to all mankind. So let's go on from loving our enemies to judging others. Verse 37, as we continue, says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Judging others. You know, verse 37 is uh, the world's favorite verse. Verse 37. Judge not, lest you be judged. They can quote that. Why? Because it serves to justify their sin. To keep them there. They twist it to mean whatever they want it to mean. But there's more to it, right? There's, we can't just look at that portion of that verse and say, well, what that means is, you know, that you don't have any right to judge me whatsoever. Is that what that's saying? Right after this section here that we just read is the next section, which says, but judge the fruit in verses 30 or 43 through 45. And so we need to have, again, a good understanding of God's word that we may understand. What is it that is being said by that, by Jesus, when he says, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned. And then he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Believers are not to serve as God and judge a man and condemn him. But believers are to discern the fruit of a person's life and recognize them by such. Some questions to ask in order to discern where our hearts are. Number one, do you judge others without considering that you will be judged also? We need to be careful. So we, we come into a situation without, without understanding before us. Do we judge others without considering that we also will be judged? Do you consider yourself more than others? In other words, you're not going in to a situation to understand, but rather to insist on your own opinion. That's very dangerous to do in marriage. It's very dangerous to do in any friendship, it's very dangerous to do in any relationship that you have. If you just want to bring forth your opinion, your thoughts, your judgment on the matter, and you, you are not open to understanding the other person, then you will get nowhere.
Are you the one that determines the hidden motives of others? See, this is where we're judging hearts already. Do you, do you judge that? I know what you meant by that. I know what your true intention was. Instead, approach the situation like this. What did you mean by that? Because after all, what is the goal? Is, is it not reconciliation? Is it not restoration? I can't ask my brother Ray here if he offended me. And this is just an example. Can I use you? Ray offended me. And I go to him and I tell him, you offended me, this is what you said, and I know your intention. I know what you meant by that. Ray in turn tells me, brother, I had no intention of that. That is not what I meant by that. What am I to do in that moment? Wouldn't it be to forgive my brother Ray? Absolutely, after all, I love you. And I want to be restored unto you. Right? I want to keep going. But what if I walked away and I said, no, your intention was this. Your motive was this other thing that I, I know that to be true. Am I now, have I now become the judge of hearts? Yes, I have. I have. I need to believe my brother Ray. That's all there is to it. There was a man who thought himself to be very righteous, and we'll get to him in a few moments about forgiving others, like over and over again, but we'll, we'll get to him. These are questions, again, that reveal our own hearts in these moments. Hopefully this is a benefit to you. Because I tell you, in the moment that you have these confrontations, and if you haven't, you will at some point. You will. It, it'll just, that, that's just we're living with each other, in a fallen world, and these things come up. We need to make every effort to understand each other. Do not judge for condemnation, but rather be quick to forgive and be generous with forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, regarding love, says it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Resentful also brings with it the connotation of keeping record of wrongs. Keep no record of wrongs. I told you about the self-righteous guy. His name is Peter. Matthew 18, 21 and 22, this is how Jesus dealt with Peter because he wanted to kind of boast in himself in this moment. Then Peter came up and said to him, that is Jesus, he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. In other words, just keep going. Keep going. You already keep this in mind because Jesus said that the same way you measure others is the same way you will be measured. So be careful. Be very careful. What are you generous with? Is it forgiveness? Is that what you're generous with? I pray that we are, that we are generous with forgiveness, with grace, with mercy. 
you know, if we apply it toward each other, oh man, there's nothing that we can't overcome. Nothing at all. But the moment one person in a relationship stops but requires it of the other, that's when we're in trouble. Let's make sure we consider ourselves. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, But put on uh, then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we bless the Lord. This is what Jesus was, was referring to in his illustration in verses 39 through 40. Consider ourselves. This was a, a warning. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Think about that. Very clear illustration, no? This is a warning that Jesus is giving. Do not allow yourself to be led by another person who is equally blind. Don't, don't do that. And, and yet, even though, if you have that picture in your mind, that's exactly what we do when we simply go to someone who wants to agree, who we want to agree with us and affirm us. Just go to someone who will agree that we're we're okay this is an obvious truth to anyone and yet in the moment so many people will look to other people who are blind to the same things to acknowledge them in their sin and affirm their stance and steps being taken only to eventually both fall into the pit and that's what we have the illustration of right here And he goes on to say, with that illustration, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. In other words, who are you receiving from? Who is your teacher? Who are you learning from and following? You may say, Jesus is, and yet why are you seeking the approval of a person instead of Jesus? So that's where... We need to realize who is our master, who is our teacher, who is the one who is leading us. Is it Jesus Christ or is it someone else? We need to seek to understand and see clearly. As it says in 41, uh, it says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Um, years ago, I, I remember someone, 
making the reference to, uh, it'd be like saying, uh, seeing someone who's walking around with a telephone pole sticking out of his eye, trying to get the uh, uh, little splinter that's in his brother's eye. You know, it's uh, something that I haven't been able to take out of my own mind, and hopefully you never forget that. Now, this is not saying that you shouldn't point out the speck in your brother's eye, does it? It does not. It does not say that. In fact, Jesus concludes this portion by saying to take out the log out of your own eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye clearly. You can see it for what it is. This approach will change the way you come across to someone else. It's going to be much different when you do so. Remember, though, that faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So if you are expecting your friend to never wound you, he's not a friend at all. It's Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. But then again, we're speaking about judgment here, and we're not told not to judge, but to judge rightly. Because we also ought to consider the fruit of a person. Verse 43 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. A person who is abiding in Christ will bear good fruit. John chapter 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Listen, bad fruit and no fruit are the same. Those are the branches that are gathered together and thrown into the fire. We know, very simply put, Christians are not judges of people's souls, but we are called to be fruit inspectors who are discerning of what good fruit looks like and what bad fruit looks like. And when there's no fruit. This is how we can discern when we are unequally yoked, when we are in bad company, or when admonishment is necessary, or how to pass judgment in a situation or on a situation, when to correct and instruct our children even, and others that are placed in our care. Again, if we consider the whole counsel of God's word, then we will consider ourselves as we consider others, making sure that we are in the right place as we demand that of others. In other words, we 
we consider, well, what's our fruit? We can even ask, dare we ask, you know, well, brothers, what, do you see anything in my, my life? What do you see? That's making yourself vulnerable, but, you know, I would encourage you to grab a handful of guys or, or a couple of men and ask that question. Do you, do you see any fruit in my life? And where, where can I, maybe I can improve. If we're honest, we can always improve, right? We have not yet arrived. Sisters, do the same. Don't let yourself be stagnant. Get a, a couple of sisters who love you and are willing to tell you, eh, there's no fruit. Where's the fruit? And just listen again. If we listen with humility, seeking to understand, and we truly value some good feedback, then we will grow. We will be better for it. So let's consider ourselves as we consider others making sure that we are in the right place as we demand that of others. As we act on what Jesus teaches, we will be building our lives on the solid foundation of God's word, and this is what we're closing with. Verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built, uh, well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Which one do you think God desires for us to be? first one, right? What do you desire of those around you? The first one or the second one? Yeah, no, let's build on the solid rock, the foundation that is the very word of God. Listen, the person who offers excuses and attempts to justify why they will not do these things only places themselves in jeopardy before God. It, it's a fair warning, isn't it? Jesus makes the distinction between those who just say they love Jesus and have faith in him and those who say and act in accordance with his word. One will be unmoved and the other, well, the other one will know destruction. C.S. Lewis had this to say, quote, regarding the debate about faith and works, it's like asking which blade in a pair of scissors is most important, close quote. Which, which one? Which one is it? Take this one away. <laughs> what are we cutting? Nothing. Right? It's both. In fact, James 2.26 says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I wasn't emphasized by me. It was emphasized by Jesus. Jesus. 
He's the one that made the distinction. This is his word. Amen? So we need to ask, what is Jesus' desire? Love generously. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 36 is what, in what we read. It says, be merciful even as your father is merciful. So love generously, judge humbly. Verse 42 says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly, clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So judge humbly. Consider yourself in that moment. Thirdly, build on the rock. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Immovable, build on the rock and you will, you will not move. When the storms of life come, Though you may hear the rumbling, you may feel it even, you'll remain unmoved. So love generously, judge humbly, and build on the rock. Jesus desires that you trust him and live your life in such a way that it reflects his character. Love generously, judge humbly, build your life on the solid foundation of God's word. Act on what you say you believe in. And therefore, prove your love for him and how you conduct yourself. All lessons that we are to apply, I pray that God gives you discernment and wisdom in those moments to bless and honor him. If you're here this morning, these are instructions that are given to the disciples. If you're here and you don't know salvation in Jesus Christ, I, my desire and God's desire, more importantly, is that none perish but that all reach repentance as it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. That you would come to that place of understanding that your sin separates you from a relationship, an eternal relationship with the Father. That is the whole reason why the Father sent His only begotten Son, and that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I pray this morning that knowing that, again, your sin separates you from the Father, but it's the Father that reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ, him paying for your sins on the cross as he shed his blood for you, that you will, by your own volition, by your own will, surrender your life to him and know eternal life in the hope of heaven in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So I pray that this morning, if you don't know salvation in Christ, that today, this very moment, you would ask God for forgiveness and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. To be the very payment of all of your sins. And that you would find new life in him with a new hope and new desire. And you will rejoice over your forgiven sins. And most importantly, that you belong to him. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Your, for your word instructs us in righteousness and the things, Lord, that bring you glory. Lord, these are difficult lessons. I 
acknowledge that. And in fact, Lord, without your spirit, Lord, we, this is a, a futile attempt, Lord, of doing something in our own power, which is impossible to do in our own power. And so I ask, Father, that you would forgive us of falling short of these things. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit and, Lord, empower us to, to bless you and walk these things out. Lord, that we may glorify you. And I do ask, Father, that if there's anyone here who has never surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and do not know salvation, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would come to the end of themselves and finally just completely surrender to you. And so, Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing and the love that you have for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Surely as the sun goes down, I will praise my God. 
you, Lord, that, Lord, that you are always good, Lord. Lord, we know the intention of your heart towards us, Lord, and that is, uh, Lord, to see us come to salvation and to come to an even stronger belief and faith and relationship with you, Lord. And Father, I just pray that uh, through today's message, Lord, that our, our hearts would be changed, Lord, that the way that we interact with our brothers and sisters would be, would be changed through the reading of your word today, Lord. 
that the way we re, that the way Lord that we uh, would receive Lord um, the difficult things Lord sometimes Father and the way that uh, the way that we that we just love one another Father that we would just love our brothers and sisters and Lord that it would be that although it is difficult Lord that we would love our enemies Father. Uh, the thing that is just completely opposite of what our flesh would want us to do, Lord, Lord. But we know, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that with your spirit, Lord, that we can overcome any of those things, Lord. So, Lord, we commit all of this into your care. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.